so glad you're here with us on the Clark Howard Show, where it's about you learning ways to save more and spend less, and don't let anyone ever rip you off. Coming up in a few minutes, you're not going to believe some of the sophistication going on with our colleges trying to decide who they're going to accept. It's way beyond your grades and your SAT or ACT score. I'll fill you in. There's a company I talked about when it was forming, when it was just in beta, that I want to tell you about that gives new hope to people who have no credit score, no credit history. Usually what's known as a thin or no file with the credit bureaus. It's always been hard when you don't have credit, how do you establish it? Well, it's called Petal Card, P-E-T-A-L Card, and they issue you a Visa card that is a real credit card. And what they do is the cards have no fees, no application fee, no annual fee, and they use completely different algorithms other than traditional credit to decide whether or not you are, in fact, credit worthy. And so what they do is you go to Petal Card, and it's P-E-T-A-L, I want to mention that again, card.com, and you go ahead and give them information that allows them to analyze your payment history with non-credit oriented bills. Once their algorithm runs its thing, they then give you a chance to know in seconds without any effect on your credit whether or not you are going to be approved for a pedal card visa card. And if you are approved, then they report you to the credit bureau every month. It's up to you to behave with the card. And by the way, the interest rates they charge are much higher than normal if you run balances on your card. The interest rates right now, although they do vary based on what's going on with the interest rates the Federal Reserve controls, it's 15 to 26%. So even though there's no application fee, no annual fee, no security deposit you have to put up, and it's a real Visa card, you are, um, if you're approved, you're in the money, you have a credit card, you just got to know that if you're running balances, the interest rates will eat you up. The beauty, though, is that if you are so frustrated because you know you handle money well, and nobody's wanted you, this is a bona fide way for you to build real credit without somebody playing games with you or charging you huge fees or anything like that. Rosalind's with us on the Clark Howard Show. How are you doing today? I'm great. How are you? Good, good. You are selling your home or have sold it? I just sold it, and I'm going to make a, a profit of $100,000. Congratulations. Thank you. And thank you for taking my call. I really enjoy listening to your show. Oh, well, thank you. So the 100000 is that net of mortgage debt or 
is that the money you have or is that the actual profit you made from what you paid for it to what you sold it for? I'm going to have $100,000 and have to decide what to do with that. So what goals do you have in life? Are you going to buy another house in the next couple of years or where Um, are you headed? I'm 62 years old. I'm going to move in with my boyfriend. I'm on uh, Social Security. So I'm trying to decide. I have about $30,000 in credit card debt. I hope maybe to buy a house with him in the future. Well, you know, you bring up an obvious point for 30 of the 100 would be great to get rid of the credit card debt, but I need to let you know that one thing that often happens if you have found money and you pay off credit card debt is that historically people within 18 months charge the credit cards back up. So you got to be very um, careful with those moving forward. That's right. Yes, I'm paying about 16% interest. Pay them off. (laughs) Pay them off. (laughs) Pay them off. Yeah. (laughs) Take 30 of that, wipe them out. So let's talk about the other 70 Right. What? Uh, so you were going to buy a house with your boyfriend, so you're going to need some money to put into that. What else is going on in your life that might be a good use of that money? I don't have any other. I have no children. I own an older car outright. I don't have any other bills or expenses. So, so having been, some money for your future, are you working part-time or not at all? I, I am on Social Security disability. Okay. So I'm, I'm not working at all. All right. So it would be good for you to have a nest egg to draw on in the future and preserve that 70 if you could. Well, I'm going to get in another three years, I'm going to get a pension. Oh, wonderful. So I'm going to get an extra 850 a month. That's great. But that still doesn't change the fact that the 70 you should hold on to. Okay, and how should I hold on to it? That's a great question. I would like you to get one-time advice from a fee-only planner and come up with an investment strategy for that 70. There's a group called Garrett Planning Network that you can hire someone near you who can do advice on an hourly basis and have them come up with a strategy and a plan for you. I think that would work. Rick is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Rick. Hi. How's it going? You want to talk about car insurance. Yeah, how much is too much and how much is not enough as far as car insurance? Well, all right, let's start with the important part of car insurance, which is the liability side. People think the important part of car insurance is getting your car fixed after something happens to it, but the important part is liability, which is in the event that you're found to be at fault in something, that you have enough money to cover it, nobody comes to eat you up for whatever money you have. So the key with liability is do you have a lot of money? No. Then you don't have to worry about it because if there's nothing for somebody to come get of yours, then you don't have to have any substantial amount of liability coverage. Just maybe what your state requires. Okay. Let's talk the other side. How old's your vehicle? Uh, Brand new. I just bought it last week. 
Wow. You having fun with it? Yeah. So what'd you get? I'm curious. It's a 2017 Chevy Cruze. So let's talk about your Chevy Cruze. So with it, how long a car loan did you take out? It's a six-year loan. All right. So with a six-year loan, one of the things you've got to get from your own automobile insurer is they may call it different things, but it's insurance that will cover you not just for the value of the vehicle at the time that it may, let's say it was stolen or you were in a wreck and it was totaled or whatever, but will cover the remaining balance of your loan. Yeah, I picked that up. Now, did you get that from the dealer? I got it from the dealer, and then they called me and said it would be cheaper to get it through my insurance, so we canceled it and got it through my insurance. Well, I want to congratulate that dealer for leveling with you like that, because that was exactly what I was going to tell you, is that GAP insurance is much cheaper from your automobile insurer than it is in a separate policy sold by the car dealer. And so they they were straight out with you, and that's great. So you've got that. Then the only real questions, if you've got that, you probably have good thorough coverage on the car in the event it needs to be repaired. You obviously have coverage that will cover it in the event that it's totaled and it's more than the remaining balance. The loan is more than the remaining value of the vehicle. You're covered. So the only other thing you've got to think about is deductibles. How high are your deductibles? It's 500. So 500 is by today's standards a very low deductible if you were to raise your deductible to a thousand can you handle that or would that just blow your budget apart if you were responsible for the first thousand well the the loan i have the the car loan with requires 500. oh okay well then you're doing what you should do the only thing i would have suggested is the gap you've got that And the one other area is what's referred to as uninsured motorist coverage that's referred to in the industry really as underinsured. I'd like for you to have that if you don't already. Okay. What it does is it covers you in the event that the person who hits you who's at fault is driving around without insurance. There are always expenses that come up, and having uh, uninsured motorist, UM, is something that's way overlooked, but you should have. And you enjoy that new Chevy Cruze, Rick. Joanna's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Joanna. Hi. Joanna, you have <laughs> parents that are headed towards a 50th anniversary? Yeah, in three years. Wow. Yeah. Pretty exciting. Yeah, I would have to live to like year 600 to make it to, no, not that long, make it to 50 years. <laughs> It's a long time. <laughs> yeah. How can I be of service to you with, with them hitting 50? Well, they want to take uh, all their kids and their families on a cruise to Alaska for the 50th anniversary. Well, every family would be paying for their own. And uh, we are wondering how to get the best deals on like a group rate on a cruise and how best to save up until then. Well, you don't necessarily want to do any kind of group rate, but what you do want to do is one thing you can do is you can put that cruise out for bid. There's a website called cruisecompete.com where different cruise agencies compete for the business and because you're going to need a number of cabins 
it makes mm-hmm. it more competitive for that bid. Okay. And so what I'd like for you to do is target what particular time you're looking at, see what cruises sail at that time. How many young kids are there? Uh, there will probably be four under the age of 10. Okay. And all the rest of the kids will be older. And will they be talking teenagers or adults? Uh, teenage. So teenagers in particular, you got to be careful what cruise line you go on because the ones that are geared towards an older clientele, teenagers will be bored out of their minds. <laughs> yeah, probably true. So I would do some reading before you even do something like Cruise Compete. Go to Cruise Critic okay, and read reviews of various ships that you find that are going to be sailing during the anniversary summer and narrow okay. down what cruise lines and what ships you might want to look at and then that helps you target in on what you're going to bid on. Okay. In addition, Great. are you a Costco member? Yes, we are. Costco Travel, I'm, I, I have heard, I don't know this is true, is the largest booker of cruise cabins now in the United States. Oh, wow. Because they rebate most of the commission to the member. Oh, nice. Okay. So it's always a good idea to get price quotes from them knowing that the commission embedded in it comes back most all of it to you. Okay, yeah, that's a great idea. So uh, spend a lot of time, though, before you go to any other step, spend a lot of time on Cruise Critic reading line by line and ship by ship to narrow down so that the teenagers and the younger kids have a great time. you got to focus on them even more than the parents you're trying to make sure have a wonderful 50th anniversary celebration because they'll have a great time being with family regardless of what ship you're on. It's time for Ask Clark, where you post a question at Clark.com. Producer Joel asks for you. What do you want to start with, Joel? Clark, let's start with Virginia. She says, what can you tell me about Hulu.com? So Hulu is a video streaming service. They have a product they've had for years where you can see a lot of TV shows, principally TV shows, on demand when you want to watch them. They're usually delayed a couple of days when they would have aired, and that Hulu starts at $8 a month. Then there's Hulu with live TV, and it's 40 a month and is a replacement for traditional pay TV. You get all the on-demand programming that comes in the $8 a month package, plus you get uh, four or five dozen of traditional pay TV channels that you can watch live. You can watch them pretty much anywhere on any device. So it's a deal as an alternative. When you figure the typical pay TV package is just over $100 a month, and Hulu with live TV is 40 well, that's a deal. All right, Tom writes in and says, what is the best way for me to get rid of a timeshare? You know, in all the years I've been on the air, and even all the way back to my first book that came out, I've written 10 books. It was even in my first book about the impossibility of getting rid of a timeshare. Timeshares are one of those questions virtually without a good answer. There is a website called Vacatia you can go look at as a potential way to maybe get rid of your timeshare, but usually you have to pay somebody 
to take over your timeshare. The one Hail Mary that has worked for some people is go to your timeshare during the week that your week is available, even if you haven't been there in years. And there will be people there that are really enjoying themselves. Talk people up at the pool or whatever and see if somebody there would like to have your timeshare. You're not going to get any money for it, but you can ultimately sign it over to them and be done with it. There's something else that I'd like you to look at, the timeshare users group. Google that and see what people who own units where your timeshare is, what they're doing to get rid of theirs. It's my pleasure to welcome you to the Clark Howard Show, where it's about you learning ways to keep more of what you make. Our web address, Clark.com. And I want you to know that we went through with our middle child a completely different process than with my oldest when it came time to apply for college. My oldest uh, went to college 12 years ago as a freshman, and the process of applying for college is so different now. One of the big changes is how many colleges so many high school seniors apply to. Very, very different. So colleges now are finding that when they accept people, that the number of people who say, yippee, I want to go there, has been going down and down. And they don't want to waste their time accepting people who are just going to diss them and go somewhere else. So this is pretty creepy weird. But I read an item in the Wall Street Journal about new technology that colleges are using to sort through the huge number of applications they're getting from students and even among those who they think would be good applicants to their school, not maybe not extending them an offer based on algorithms, mathematical formulas that they use to gauge real interest. Some colleges are using a numerical scale of 1 to 100 and using dozens of variables up to many, many dozens of variables that they use to gauge your real interest. Let me tell you the kind of things that matter under these formulas some of the colleges are using. If they send you an email, do you open it? How quickly do you open it? Each is a factor. How long are you actually reading it? Yeah, they're tracking that kind of thing. When you open an email, do you just glance at it and close it? Or are you reading it one end to the other? Do you click on any links in it? If you RSVP to attend an event, do you actually show up at the event? So saying no hurts you. Saying yes and not showing may hurt you more. So again, you may at many colleges now have what's generically called a demonstrated interest score. So when they're trying to decide among people of equal Let's say the grades are similar, your scores are similar on the ACT or SAT, and you got this pool of people who all make the cut to get an offer, and you may have a buddy who gets an offer who may not even score as well as you do, and you don't, and it could be because they were so excited about potentially going to that school that they were eating up everything they got from the school. 
And you, on the other hand, were like totally ambivalent about it. So know that that these things of demonstrated interest are now considered to be not the same level of yes or no for you being accepted as your grades and your SAT or ACT, but it's just a hair below that. And you know that's now how the process works because I've shared with you, thanks to the Wall Street Journal. And so knowing that, remember, there's a school you think you might want to go to. You better show that demonstrated interest or you may be not even having a chance to go there. Kevin's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Kevin. Hello. Kevin, you want to talk about your home and money from it. Yes. What's the scoop? What It's more of a what would you do. We're going to sell our house within the next two to three years. We should get somewhere in the range of probably ninety to 100000 closer to the 100000 in equity out of it. My well, wife, congratulations my wife, to you. Yeah, thank you. Uh, my wife's student loans are about 125000 or so. I would like to know if you would apply that money straight to her loans and come out from under that $1,100 a month payment that we're making every month for her student loans. All right, so that's a great question, and it's going to depend on some other thing. Okay. So where are you going to live after you sell this home? We're probably going to buy some land to build a home. And what money will you use to buy that land? Uh, We have some savings built up. So you'll be able to still net out ninety to hundred thousand dollars and already have what you're gonna to need to do the land purchase because financing land is tough. Yes, yes. So you'll be able to do that. So this is money that will be available to you. So then let's move to something else. You buy the land, what money are you gonna to use to build the house that you're gonna build on the land? Uh, hopefully with that we'll just take a loan straight from the bank. All right. So what I Maybe would put like a little you, bit of money down. Yeah, I want you to try to have twenty percent down for the loan you're gonna ultimately need. So just using round numbers here, what would you guess is going to be the cost of the home that you're gonna construct on the land you're gonna buy? We'll probably keep it in the neighborhood of three hundred thousand. So in that case that would mean you would need to hold back 60 of the 90 to 100,000 so that when you go to the bank to borrow money for that home, you're in a position where you paid a, a meaningful amount of what that's going to be to build that. Now, the land will have some value to the bank that you would go to, yes. but not enough for you to avoid having some instant equity through the process of a construction loan and then when you convert to permanent you're going to need to be able to establish that you have meaningful equity. Do you think paying off those student loans would mean a lot to the bank as well? That's a good question. Let's just say, still dealing with round numbers, you clear 100000 from the sale of the home. If you were to take 50, let's just use 50 as a number, and you put it towards the 120 in student loan debt, you will have made an enormous difference and the balance on those loans and the interest that you would have, you'd have that balance down from one twenty dollars to $70,000. Every dollar you pay towards the loan, so much more of it would go to interest, principal instead of interest. 
I mean, I don't think you should look at this as the stark thing of let's get rid of the student loans completely and then figure out how we're going to qualify for a construction loan and permanent financing on a new home. I think you need to look at both of those things as a package. Okay. So I think you could do not quite half a loaf and be in good shape. Okay. Because, again, if you take the 120 down to 70 what that monthly payment's going to be on the student loans will be greatly reduced, right? It should be. I'm sure we could refinance somehow, maybe get a better interest rate and drop the years that she owes left on it. <sighs> okay, so with student loans, they give you a payment schedule, but you can always, on your own, pay more on that. But if she, you, you wipe out a big balance of student loans, they will probably, with a typical student loan, there will be a different expected payment each month anyway okay all right and again congratulations to you for being in a position where you're going to clear so much equity on the sale of your existing home look at the options it's opening up for you sarah is with us on the clark howard show hello sarah hello i wanted to ask you about glasses sure Um, your recommendations are so much cheaper than the opticians and i'm just wondering how that's even possible like it sounds too good to be true like you pay 100 200 at the doctor's office but some of these other places are like 20 bucks right so the one that has the highest volume for ultra and expensive prescription glasses is zenny z-e-n-n-i and okay. zenny optical you can get a a simple pair of prescription glasses with frames, lenses complete for including shipping charge. I think it's about $13. You can run it up to maybe $25 or $30 if you get fancy frames. But how these people do it is they do it through massive volume. So you don't think the quality is compromised in the product? So I have had a number of opticians and optometrists on the air who've been extremely unhappy when I talk about Zenny or any of its competitors. Mm-hmm. But all I can go by is Consumer Reports has Zenny as one of the highest rated for customer service. Okay. And so the way I like for people to dip their toes in this is it's always nice to have a backup pair of glasses. So you get yeah. a pair the traditional way if you're nervous about buying from one of these online sellers and then you get a backup pair from one of the online sellers and then if the backup pair is fine and great and you're happy with it you know the next time you don't even start with the traditional place you just buy the really inexpensive ones online sounds like a good idea all right so one thing sarah you got to do when you get your prescription from the eye doctor when he or she is testing your eyes Right. You need one thing from them that's not normally given unless you ask for it. Okay. And that's your PD, your pupillary distance. Okay. And you have to have that number in order to order glasses online. Everything else you'll have from your prescription. Now, one thing, Costco Wholesale, Costco as a service to their members If you go to their optical department, they will measure your PD for you if you need it, even knowing that means you're probably going online to order glasses from somewhere else. 
So That's very helpful. So it is your choice. I have uh, a daughter who wears glasses who uh, just ordered another pair of glasses from Zenny, and she apologized to me because her glasses all in, including shipping, were $37. And I'm like, how did you run it all the way up to $37 was what I was thinking. But I kept my mouth shut because even at that, it's so much cheaper than where people usually go to get glasses. Keith is with us on the Clark Howard Show. And Keith, you're moving. Well, we're planning a move in the next... uh 18 months to two years, Clark. Uh, so great to talk with you. Well, great to have you here. How can I be of help with this upcoming move? And you are an advanced planner that you're thinking all this through. Absolutely. Well, we own our home outright, and uh, my wife and I have discussed the possibility of uh, renting it versus selling it uh, to get the revenue to uh, offset the revenue we're going to be spending in the new town we're going to be living in. She thinks we should sell it. I want to rent it. Um, that's because I, I, I know the rental business in this town, so I've been very successful at it. And I really feel that if we rent it, the value of the home will go up, as well as just offsetting the, the different costs. Well, I love new- rental properties. But there are several reasons that probably makes your wife right in this case. Sorry. (laughs) How far away are you moving? Uh, We're going to be moving about seven hours away by car. Yeah. That would strongly lend itself to you selling the property just because it's so hard to manage a rental property from any great distance away. You start looking more than two hours away, and it just gets to be more of a hassle for you, unless you have a reason that you would routinely and regularly be going back to where you live now once you move. I I would say that just for simplicity's sake, and this has nothing to do with maybe you becoming a landlord in the town you're moving to, Right. But there's another factor. How much gain has there been from what you paid for it versus what it's worth today? Quite a bit of gain. Oh, then sell it. Okay. Because the gain is tax-free up to half a million dollars in gain if you sell it now. If you let it reclassify over time as a rental property, all that embedded gain becomes taxable to you. Oh, okay. So it really makes sense to follow your wife's lead and just always remember your wife's always right (laughs) things go so much better in life when you remember that and you sell this property you can then pay cash for the next one i mean there's no virtue in you taking out a loan and then ultimately once you get settled in your new community if you end up staying there and you learn that town you like obviously you like being a landlord you have that mentality like i do then there at some point when you've identified a good purchase for a rental property you buy one there this episode is brought to you by progressive insurance hey listeners whether you love true crime or comedies celebrity interviews news or even motivational speakers you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue right and guess what now you can call the shots on your auto insurance too 
Enter the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. The Name Your Price tool puts you in charge of your auto insurance by working just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance. Then they'll show you a variety of coverages that fit within your budget, giving you options. Now, that's something you'll want to press play on. It's easy to start a quote, and you'll be able to choose the best option for you, fast. It's just one of the many ways you can save with Progressive Insurance. Quote today at Progressive.com to try the Name Your Price tool for yourself and join over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Will is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Will. How you doing? Hi, Clark. How are you doing? Great. Thank you. You are looking at seeing if you can get a better deal on your money. Is that right? Well, yes. First of all, I want to thank you for your service. I have been a listener for a long time and have learned so much. I heard you very passionately speaking about Smells Fargo Bank, which, uh, <laughs> and, and I learned so much about, you know, the atrocious way they've behaved in, in the courts now and, and all that. And it really inspired me to seriously consider an online bank, which I've known about. And I went on your site and read about some of your recommendations for online banks. I'm a little hesitant, mainly due to um, the idea of making deposits. I want to change. I don't want to support this particular bank anymore, but I don't want it to be a hassle. So yeah, so what's, what's neat your... now, and this is how the online banks have even the odds, is now you do your deposits even with the big banks. You do them on your smartphone. I've never done that. I, I know about it. I'm, it's I'm fantastic. Once, once you learn to do deposits on your smartphone, you'll never okay. go back. You'll okay. never. It is so great to be able to do that. What about making, you know, once in a while I have to make a cash deposit. You have no way to do that with an online bank. Yeah, that's one of the concerns. Yeah, and that, that um, is a fact. There is no way to deposit cash. Okay, but overall I'm gathering that you're very high on these things. Yeah, let me tell you why I love them, okay? I'm looking at the bank rate list of the various online banks. It says, uh, amount to deposit to avoid monthly fees. I'm looking down the list. Zero, 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 right. one after another. Right. You know, they're not in that game of trying to figure out how to charge you fees and how to get you, how to rip you off. You can do just about anything that you do at a traditional bank, except for the one thing you pointed out, you can't deposit cash. You're stuck with the cash you have. You're listening to The Clark Howard Show. Thanks for joining us today. The Clark Howard Show is produced by Kim Drobes, Joel Larsgaard, Deborah Reese, and Jim Ayers. And remember, 24 hours a day, we're there to serve you at Clark.com and ClarkDeals.com.